At the request of several listeners, we are going to cover a breaking news story out of Florida. Operation March Sadness, an effort to arrest as many human traffickers and child sexual predators as possible. Listen on to learn about this developing case. Welcome, welcome, welcome into a very special episode of Killing, Missing, Hidden. This is a mini bonus episode that I felt like we needed to pump out regarding a recent event you may have seen in the news. I'm your host, Brad, the man with a big old criminal law brain, and we're going to spend the next few minutes together covering this shocking case. As you may or may not know, human trafficking is a massive, massive problem in the United States, as well as other countries. The internet has made the crime so much easier to orchestrate and organize and commit. FBI and other law enforcement agencies will assure you that if you go to any big event or any popular tourist destination, you can find evidence of human trafficking going on. Craigslist is kind of the old school popular way of finding these uh, escorts for one night stands. Um, those postings are usually made by the pimps or the traffickers themselves. And it's usually either inexperienced ones or ones needing more, what's the right term, uh, more discreet exposure as possible. There's much more clandestine ways these organizations operate, including some on the dark web, uh, where advertisements can be made, I guess, safely and in greater detail. Now, what makes this worse is the people hiring the escorts off of Craigslist or wherever generally aren't aware of what they're contributing to, the business they're supporting. They think they're just paying for a good time, you know. They don't understand that they're supporting a savage, inhuman, and blood-soaked enterprise. Today, we're going to be discussing a successful joint law enforcement effort to try to hamper these human trafficking efforts, and it's cleverly named Operation March Sadness. Okay, technically, it's Operation March Sadness 2. It's based out of Florida, Polk County, to be precise, which is just one county over from the ever-popular Disney World. The operation only lasted six days, but police caught a lot of fish for the brief time their net was in the water. I think in total, 108 people were arrested. Virtually all were male and ranged in ages from 17 to 67. Fun fact, the 67-year-old, his name's Derek Collins, he, he showed up to the location where uh, his rendezvous was scheduled to occur drinking a bottle of Ensure, which is kind of the uh, older person version of getting all your uh, protein and nutrients and vitamins. So I guess he wanted to be extra energized for his uh, little date. I don't know. I don't know. But I thought that was funny. Now, the grand goal of this operation was to root out human traffickers and their victims with a secondary goal of just trying to chill out the prostitution market generally in Central Florida. 
because this is a bit of a developing story, like these arrests were made on March 16th, and I'm recording this on March 17th. Um, we at this time don't know a lot of specifics on the details of how the operation went down. However, in my experience, these deals kind of follow a common pattern. What you'll see is law enforcement, detectives, sometimes even volunteers from advocacy groups will just go online and pretend to be either a prostitute or an underage child and seeing what kind of action they can pick up. Once they've hooked somebody, they'll tell them to meet them at this hotel at this time. Sometimes they'll work out the cost of the rendezvous. And of course, when the John arrives, he's not greeted by a prostitute. He's not greeted by a teenage girl. He's instead greeted by a bunch of officers with their guns drawn. It also appears that this operation had officers who were doing the reverse, who were responding to postings online, offering a good time. And this is really a much more solid approach if you're trying to catch human traffickers. I mean, again, I've never been involved in these task force. I'm very much speaking from the outside looking in. But that way you're bringing those who are advertising to you and you're going to bring in your odds of bringing in somebody that's kind of forced into sexual slavery is much higher in these situations than when you're posting as the child or as the uh, sex worker. In that case, especially if you're posing as a sex worker, you're just going to get somebody who's looking for, a, you know, prostitution. Now, there were um, 108 people arrested in this six-day operation. That's, to me, that's a shocking amount of people. And maybe I'm naive, but that's, that's a lot of folks that got put in handcuffs. I mean, that's like, what, 18 a day, 20 a day, somewhere in there? For a six-day operation, I mean, go Florida. Um, police noted only one person... Well, let me rephrase that. Police publicly stated that only one person they found to be a victim of human trafficking. But that's one person they saved, man. And to me, that's that alone makes the operation worth it. I hope there were more that were saved and they just couldn't release that detail for whatever reason. But again, one saved, we'll take it. In my opinion, there were five significant arrests made, and so we'll go through those kind of briefly to give you an idea of what police were dragging in with their net. There was only one person who was arrested for human trafficking. That was 32-year-old Tiffany Nash of Orlando. She delivered one of the prostitutes to the police, the one acknowledged human trafficking victim. When she was arrested, they, of course, arrested the girl, too, thinking she was a prostitute. But in their investigation, learned that the girl was not there willingly. She was basically being held against her will in this woman's house. She was threatened with violence if she didn't participate in sex work. And, of course, Nash, the wonderful woman she was, kept all the money that she earned. So she had no resources. She had no way to escape in her mind. 
Also, Nash was carrying some crystal meth and cocaine, so I guess she was going to make sure whoever was hiring her little girl there was going to have a good time. Now, the other four big arrests were all people who were soliciting child prostitutes. So they're kind of, I think we can fairly describe these folks as potential uh, child uh, sexual predators. There was Timothy Finley, a 39-year-old male. He was arrested when he tried to arrange a sexual rendezvous with what he thought was a 13-year-old girl. He had sent the officer pretending to be the teenager a bunch of very lewd material and showed up ready to party on his own with some crystal meth when he was arrested. Shannon Johnson, a 41-year-old male from Orlando, was also flirting with what he believed to be a 13-year-old girl online. He sent her nude pictures of himself and then tried to solicit nude pictures back of this supposed teenager. When he was arrested, he was not sporting any drugs. Jody Rose, a 36-year-old male from Gainesville, also thought he was setting up a date with a 13-year-old girl. He sent his share of lewd material, and it consisted primarily of descriptions of what sexual acts he wanted her to perform on him. Finally, we have Xavier Jackson, who is 27. He was arrested after arranging to meet what he believed to be a 14-year-old girl. He sent his share of sexual images and also described very graphically how he wanted the evening with this uh, child to go down. So that's five major arrests from the sting operation, in my opinion. One for human trafficking, four for trying to solicit sex from a minor. To me, that's wonderful. That's a rousing success. You know, these, these are kind of dangerous people who we don't really want chatting online so freely. Now, just because those were the only like major arrests doesn't mean that there aren't some others that were notable for one reason or another. We're going to discuss those real quickly, too. Just so, again, the whole purpose of this is to give you a background and give you an understanding of what happened down in Florida. And so you got to have the fun parts, right? The better stories. So we go to a Mr. Seth Phillips, 49 years old, who arrived at his site of arrest with a 34-year-old woman named Christina A. Wright. He actually, Mr. Phillips here, had set up rendezvous with two different, what he believed to be prostitutes, at the same time in the same location. So I guess he was really trying to get freaky. One of the undercover officers who was posing as one of these prostitutes tried to back out, and Mr. Phillips lost his mind. He threatened to kill her, said that, well, her being the officer, um, said he was, you know, now he was due money from her and he was going to come collect it. So the undercover detective said, okay, yeah, we'll be there. That'll be cool. So when... Mr. Phillips shows up. He walks in the hotel or motel door, gun in hand, ready to take down these women in his mind. And again, instead, he's met with, I would bet in his situation, at least a dozen officers, all with weapons, all ready to go. Um, 
He was quickly restrained. Fortunately, there was no injuries. And he was charged with just a mess of felonies. Uh, we've got things like attempted armed robbery, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Oh, he also had meth on him. Shocker. And the reports are unclear what happened to his female companion, but she wasn't on the list that law enforcement provided to the press of everybody who had been arrested. So I assume she was let go. We also have a fellow by the names of James Compton, who is 42 of Kissimmee, Florida. His is probably the most disappointing of all. He dropped his child off at a soccer game, then went to a nearby hotel to meet what he thought was a prostitute so he could have a quick little tryst while his child's playing soccer. Um, I cannot imagine his wife was very happy to hear from him that evening. He was only charged with soliciting prostitution. One of the people who were arrested was a retired Cook County judge from Illinois. Again, he was only soliciting a prostitute. He wasn't charged with anything else, but depending on what the laws are in the state of Illinois, that could very well affect his retirement benefits. Now, also, in, you know, we've got 108 folks that are arrested. And of course, because of our location, we've got some Disney employees that were caught up in it. Now, I guess I'll say that fortunately, three of the four were just soliciting a prostitute. I mean, that's not great. That's not how I want to live my life necessarily, but that's not as offensive as some of the other crimes we've talked about. The fourth, however, was our buddy Xavier there, who thought he was hooking up with a 14-year-old. He happened to be a lifeguard at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort. So that's, that's, that's a little creepy there. Now, one thing I do want to caution everybody, okay? The media is playing this up as human trafficking busts, 100 plus people arrested, sex traffickers taken. In. That's true, but that's not the bulk of what happened here. The vast majority of people who were arrested were arrested for either soliciting a prostitute or trying to provide sexual services. We only have five people that really, well, six, if you count our buddy with the handgun, Mr. Phillips, that really did something cray-cray, that really went above and beyond. Of the 108 arrests, there's 45 felony charges that were brought. And as you can tell, Mr. Phillips and the other four got the majority of those felony charges against them. Now, I'm not trying to diminish the good efforts of law enforcement here, but I just don't want you to get caught up in this misleading narrative that's going around. There are not 100 sexual predators behind bars. There are 108 people who did something illegal with regard to sex, but I would say only five of them would fall in the predator-type category. But, you know, another thing, too, that isn't really being talked about that I think law enforcement needs to be applauded for is this wasn't one of those operations where it was arrest them all and let God sort it out sort of deal. The 
task force that was formed made sure to include members of local advocacy groups. They were there, plus counselors were on hand to help identify who was really a victim of human trafficking, but also just to provide counseling services even to those who weren't necessarily being human trafficked, but were engaging in the sex trade for whatever reason they had. And so I thought that was pretty noble of uh, Central Florida police there, and I'm glad they did that. Now, that's really the bulk of the info we have at this time. Again, this has been a story for just over 24 hours, but people asked for it, so I said I'd cover it. What I'd like to do, first of all, remember that all these people who are arrested are presumed innocent, okay? That being said, their cases don't look great unless law enforcement, you know, was engaging in entrapment or something like that. But they're all innocent right now. I just don't expect that to be true six months from now, a year from now. Since I've got you here, though, I do, and since this is a short episode, I do want to take a minute to talk about human trafficking in general because it is such a widespread and pervasive problem, and it's not something that most people are aware of, okay? So now, when I tell you this stuff, I'm not saying, you know, if you think this is going on, Grab your shotgun and bust into the house and make the arrest yourself, you know? Do a Barney Fife citizen's arrest deal. No, no, no. You call the police if this is going on. Don't that's that's how you be the hero, not by doing something stupid. So now the most common victims of human trafficking in the United States, in my experience, and this is just Brad speaking for Brad, are people who do not speak English and do not have relatives in the area. So you see a lot of Hispanic and a lot of Asian uh, women and children that are captured in the human trafficking trade. But that does not mean those are the only folks who get caught up in it, okay? In bigger cities, I live in Alabama. We don't have big cities. (laughs) In bigger cities like Atlanta, Chicago, uh, Dallas, Los Angeles, New York, places like that, okay? You're, you're going to have human trafficking that involves a lot of teenage runaways and a lot of young adults who have drug problems or mental health issues. Basically, what you're going to have is some sort of flaw, flaw is the wrong word, some sort of weakness in the individual that a pimp or a trafficker can exploit meaning you don't speak the language you're dependent on me. You are addicted to drugs. I'll supply you drugs. Just do these sex acts. You ran away from home. You don't have any family support. Come with me and I'll take care of you. Those sorts of things. They, the traffickers really, really, really bore into whatever that person's weakness is, whatever they can exploit. And it, of course, it goes without saying, Violence is absolutely used to kind of break these victims down and make them much more submissive and easier to work with from the human trafficker's point of view. Now, according to the Department of uh, Homeland Security, they, they do a lot of work with stopping human trafficking. And they'll actually, if you pay attention, you'll see in a lot of cities, they'll put on seminars about We need you, the citizenry, to be on the lookout for these things so we can combat this. 
So they'll put on training sessions and they're typically free. They last a day or half a day and they're very informative. I've never been able to go to one. I've had some colleagues have gone and they just rave about how much you can learn and you learn how ignorant you truly are about a lot of this stuff. But from uh, Homeland Security's website, here are what they list are some of the common indicators that somebody may be may, may be being trafficked. Does the victim appear to be disconnected from the community? You know, they don't know where things are. They don't have a church. They don't have a house, things like that. If the victim's a child, has he or she stopped attending school? If the person is disoriented or confused or showing signs of abuse, that could be an indicator. When you talk to the person, do they seem unusually timid or fearful or submissive? Does it seem like the person has been coached on how to talk to people and what to say to certain questions? Does it look like the person doesn't really own any personal property and or doesn't have a stable living situation? And does the person act like they don't really have any freedom of movement? They'll typically, you know, be assigned to work this bar and they'll have to stay in that bar. They can't come and go as they please. Those are just some indicators, certainly not all the indicators in the world. And just because you see this happening does not necessarily mean somebody's been trafficked, but those are things to look out for. Now, like I said, the Homeland Security is really involved in stopping this, and they have this ongoing campaign called the Blue Campaign, and its focus is to spread awareness about human trafficking. You can go on their website. They will send you free materials. They will send you um, even a little card you can put in your wallet that has a bunch of those indicators we just went through to help you remember in case you see something suspicious. But if you feel like somebody is the victim of human trafficking, you really need to call your local police and let them know ASAP. Or if you're in the United States as an alternative, the Department of Homeland Security has set up a special federal human trafficking hotline. The phone number is 1-866-347-2423. That number's in our show notes, so you can look. You can access it any time. You can find it on DHS's webpage. But again, one eight six six three four seven twenty four twenty three. Another thing to keep in mind: we're talking about human trafficking. We're talking about prostitution and sexual acts and things like that. A lot of human trafficking is not focused on sexual slavery. A lot of human trafficking is focused on forced labor or traditional slavery. That's a big part of where they make their money, and they particularly like to focus on industries such as construction, factories, farms, and domestic servitude. So, you know, those are areas... If somebody doesn't look right, they're working one of those jobs, call. Just because they're not being sexually abused does not mean they're not a victim of human trafficking. And just a quick story, I actually had a client who was a victim of human trafficking. She was from uh, Mexico, 
and she was trying to get into the United States in less than legal ways. And so she hired a coyote, which is a person or a group that kind of specializes in getting people across the border. She was led to an 18-wheeler, put in the back in the cargo area with several other people. They were driven across the border. Somehow they got through, I guess is bribery. Uh, And then they drove for a while and stopped. And apparently what happened was, rather than dragging this out and making a drama, these these coyotes were set to sell these people to a buyer, but the buyer never showed for whatever reason. So the coyotes can't sit there with a 18-wheeler full of people So they just dump off the box, the storage container, there in the middle of the Texas desert and drive off and leave them locked in that storage container. Fortunately, they were able to get out after a few days and she had friends that live semi-close by that she could get to and get help, but not everybody survived this predicament. And that's... That's what you see in these human trafficking worlds. They're brought over by 18-wheeler. They're brought over by boat. They're hidden, and they are just treated purely like property. It is awful. It is truly awful. Okay, we're going to wrap up this mini-sode here. I hope this has given you an overview of what happened in Florida this week, and I hope it's given you enough background so that as more news comes out, you can kind of follow it on your own and feel comfortable knowing what really is shaken there. Again, I want to stress big events, you know, sporting events, concerts, political events, or other places where people gather in mass, like theme parks. There's going to be human trafficking there. It's not an if it will be there. And so if you attend these events, maybe keep an eye out. Just see if something doesn't look right. And, you know, if you get that feeling that something's wrong, call the police. Honestly, it's it's so much better to call the police and be wrong than it is to not call and your gut be right. There's no harm for the police to go out there and check and find out that you were wrong. And I promise you, Anybody that's dealt with these human trafficking operations or cases, they would tell you the exact same thing. Just make the call. It's okay to, quote unquote, waste the officer's time because it's not a waste of time. All right. So since this is a mini-sode, I really threw it together quickly in case you couldn't tell. It just happened to work out that I could do it today. And like I said, I had received some requests, so I said, why not? That also means I don't have a palate cleanser. Mr. Eli is at soccer practice right now, so I couldn't get one from him. So we'll have to skip that. Like I've said, this is a developing story. We're going to learn more as days and weeks go by. So keep your eye on Florida so you can know what's shaking. I, I hope, you know, I've done a decent job in educating you in a little bit about this. We appreciate you checking out this episode and hope that Really, you have a good day, good rest of the week, that your weekend is full of naps and donuts and great things like that. We should be back 
on Tuesday with a regular episode. But we just wanted to get this one out since so many people were interested in it. Thank you all again. Right out. You survived another episode of Killing Missing Hidden, the podcast about bad things. Join us next time for another true and thrilling story.